0: Hey, Nate, in this past episode, that scene where Bucky and Sam break John Walker's arm to get the shield off of him, did that remind you of anything that's ever happened to us in real life?
1: Uh, yeah, it kind of reminded me we were at Little Caesars and we had to fucking break Banner's arm to get that ninth hot and right out of his hand.
2: Uh, speaking of which, that reminds me, not going to be able to be on the finale next week, guys, because I have surgery uh, for my arm. No regrets, though. It was It was delicious.
0: Welcome in to the Bro 4 Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is our review of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode 5, titled The Truth. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek, joined by the American hero Nate Thurmond and the mad scientist Brian Banner to review this episode as we do all of our TV episodes on the four Bro Four Squad criteria, and that is the acting our favorite scene, the story, and any theories or questions going forward. Although I flipped scene and story, but fuck it, you guys will figure it out. So as we get started, let's begin with the acting and the cast. Any of the performances, good, bad, or indifferent. Nate, who stood out to you?
1: Um, yeah, thank you for throwing it to me first so I can go ahead and take this one off off the plate. We uh, got the award-winning actress that I think we had talked about in a previous episode um, in this finally with uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus. Um, And the small amount she was in this episode was fantastic. Um, I think we'll get to this a little later on in best scene, but it was a nice breath of fresh air. And I don't think like her stardom really like covered anything up in this. It can from time to time whenever you see those kind of cameos, but she played off very well. Uh, You could tell she was had a very menacing uh, background behind her, but played it off very playfully, especially with Walker's wife and some of the little quick, um, quick lines she had to her, but um, that that was kind of low-hanging fruit. So I'll just go ahead and take that one. But um, yeah, she was really great and and did really well in this.
2: She did so well at just commanding the room when she walked in. And that was, that's what I think whenever you have those big stars um, that do cameos like this, when they come in, they're like, yeah, I'm a big bad, and they wanted me to do this cameo. And she came in like, I am I get to do this cameo. They don't want me to. I get to. And just completely commanded every person in the room, like, forced them to respect her with her eyes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I got to say, I don't – like, this actually lived up to the hype for me. You know what? We're kind of jaded from the Paul Bettany thing with WandaVision. But mm-hmm. she, like, meets and almost exceeds a little bit my expectations of who we were going to get in this episode. And seeing her in this role where she can play someone so sinister yet still kind of quippy and just really enjoyable as she's being menacing is something I'm really looking forward to because I'm assuming there's a lot of groundwork being laid here. Um, and is there anything more baller than walking in a room and handing someone a blank business card? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'll contact you. Then why'd you give me this? So that you fucking understand that I'm important.
1: Yeah, so you can see the set of balls I have on me.
0: Exactly. Uh, Banner, I know you and I talked um about this a little bit off pod. Dude, is this Wyatt Russell's coming out party this episode? I mean, I was enjoying him as John Walker. He took it to a whole nother level in episode five, I thought.
2: Yeah, I, I've i been on his, his tail here for a while. His dick. Well, yes, I wasn't going to be that vulgar. But yeah, yeah, I've been sucking his cock so hard. <laughs> this entire okay okay you You said that no one else said that but yeah continue uh no i've been i've been on this train for a while now i think he is doing a fantastic job and yes he stole he stole the scenes he was in i mean i don't know what else to say about him he has a huge future i think i didn't know that he could do this
0: yeah i really only remember him from um That Black Mirror episode, 22 Jump Street and Overlord, and in none of those is he given near the meat on the bone as he was in this episode. And it's an interesting arc that he has because the entire time, like, at least me as a fan, I felt like, I know I'm not supposed to like him, but I do kind of feel bad for him. Like, he's put in a lose-lose situation, and he's handling it so poorly. He's acting like a dumbass, but it's like, I kind of feel like I would be piling on to call him a piece of shit, right? Like, he's not enjoying any of this, clearly, right?
1: Yeah, and there there hasn't been a ton set up, uh, said about this up front, like in the dialogue or anything. But like he always has some PTSD that he's dealing with, and he's seen some shit in battle. They've touched on it a few times, but that, that's kind of like the underlining, um, underlining thing right behind him that you can see is like building all this all this stuff up. He's dealing with some demons that he's seen in the
0: army. Yeah, last one I want to mention briefly: um, Carl Lumbly, who plays Isaiah. His performance in episode two, I thought, was like a little bit, uh, like too burdened with this. And this one, he toned it back just a little bit, but I think it was even more powerful in conveying the pain that Isaiah has. So I really enjoyed him in this episode. He is sort of driving, I think, the importance of this show in terms of like representation in a lot of ways. And for the people out there that say, "Oh, the show's too woke" or they're pandering, like all this stuff is actually true to comics that were written about 50 years ago so it's not like marvel is trying to force in a bunch of things to you know appease like a more modern uh political agenda like this is shit that was written in the 60s and 70s um all right on to the story and the plot so imdb's plot synopsis says sam wilson bucky barnes baron zemo john walker and carly morganthaw must all deal with the fallout from their actions Now Banner, IMDB pretty much just mentions Every character that shows up But I feel like uh, This one was, the way that the episode 4 Ended we were really interested to see what happened here um, Any surprises in terms of Where the narrative went or where you think it's headed In
2: the finale uh, I I have no idea where they're going With the finale, honestly I don't even have theories which we'll get to it later I have no idea where they're, they're going with that the idea of Sam and Bucky just kind of having to go back and live their normal lives and contemplating what to do with the shield and kind of having that, like that was their bonding moment. That was their growing up moment together that Bucky and and Steve had all those years in, in New York. So to kind of see that come out on screen and to see how they're, Hey, I've got your back no matter what. That was the first time that you really feel like, yes, I really have your back, was in was in this episode. When he goes yeah, down to, to Louisiana.
0: The interesting thing about their buddy cop dynamic, it for me has driven the show. I think we all kind of thought it would. Um, but I have heard a lot of stuff online and in some other reviews that there was an entire – I don't even want to say subplot because I think it's more predominant – but. The Flag Smashers were essentially going to be releasing a bioweapon, like a disease, on the world. And then when the pandemic hit, Marvel has tried to edit that part out of the, the show. That was what Mama Danya was going to have died from, um, their use of this biochemical weapon. Mm. And as a result, I think I have found myself, as every episode has gone on, much less interested in the Flag Smashers. And more interested in everyone else, whether it's Sam, Bucky, more of Zemo, how jaded and upset Sharon Carter is at how really the world treated her after what she did in Civil War. Uh, And then the John Walker arc, which him lying to Lamar's parents about how he died might be the most evil thing he's ever done. And I watched him basically crush a dude's heart with the shield the last episode. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. <clears throat> have...
1: um, yes. Yeah, it's, it's not something that I really had thought about much until you mentioned it, but I am becoming a little disinterested in the, in the flag smashers narrative, unfortunately. Um, hopefully that, that'll come around. I'm sure everything will kind of piece together in the end, but um, episodes one through four, I was really interested in like, okay, where are they going with this? Um, and all the serum um, and, and kind of what was developing there. But yeah, um, Unfortunately, are we are becoming a little disinterested in that. Um, but overall, this one, this episode had a lot of different dynamics and it brought a lot of different emotions together, starting off with a big fight scene um, between Bucky Walker and Sam and then the courtroom scene, which was very emotional with Walker. Um, but then, yeah, you get these weird, funny montages and then um, literally had buddy cop written in my notes here. Um, like mm-hmm. Horn said, you get that buddy cop feel back, which was great. Um, You get to see them be a little more playful between Bucky and Sam again. Um, so overall, I thought the episode on the plot and the development was really great because you got a, a ton of different dynamics um, and you got that friendship back with them. And you can see that they're coming to terms with each other. They've got the shield back, I think, which helped um, kind of heal some wounds. Um, so really excited to see them get back into a more friendly nature.
0: Yeah, good point about the shield. I think that is sort of the... Uh, the balm that you know, obviously, like Steve's not being a part. of We'll talk about where he is in just a sec. But him not being a part of the show was really where um, it's sort of the jumping-off point is for Bucky and Sam and getting the shield back. In a lot of ways, I think it's representative of them having Steve back uh, mm-hmm. in their lives, which was cool. And like you said, this thing can go from gritty drama to uh, slapstick buddy cop <laughs> in the snap of a finger, and it doesn't feel weird in an odd way.
1: Yeah. No, it was, it was well done.
0: All right, on to our favorite scene, Nate. What do you got?
1: Um, probably my favorite scene. Um, maybe overshadowed by some some of the other ones. Um, but it was one I just mentioned a second ago. Uh, Walker in the courtroom. Um, he's getting basically <laughs> so powerful, um, almost court-martialed. He's getting um, discharged. Um, they have a lot of verbiage not necessarily dishonorably discharged but um that is where he really turns the corner and like lets out all that pent-up anger and emotion um and and really goes to town on that senator that's reading him his rights basically um but i mean you saw it building up It, it was coming out physically and now it's coming out verbally and he really expresses how he's feeling and then it was just a kind of a bratty teenager it didn't come off this way but just bratty teenager i'm not listening to you talk to the hand i'm gonna walk out now and it just goes out to the hallway um but yeah it kind of all came to fruition um and all that poured out and did a fucking hell of a job on it
0: i think it shows how dangerous he really is because him being in that setting able to compose his thoughts more it's much more premeditated he doesn't really have the excuse of like I just lost control, man. That's why I killed that dude. Because now they're like, yeah. well, you've known about this court case for days and you're these are the statements you've prepared. And then the Julia Louis-Dreyfus moment, I mean, so exploitative. Like, coming to this guy where he's his most vulnerable, most angry, and just looking for a hand to eat out of. And there she is with her blank-ass business card <laughs> basically telling him, hey, if you want to fuck shit up, uh, we can arrange that. I understand you're upset at the world right now and you're a little drunk with that rage and uh, I would love to just how I'm cool with Bad decisions, exactly.
2: Yeah,
0: Banner. What was your uh,
2: That scene right there when uh, when Julia Lewis dreyfus comes in. She, the way that she just walks in like a fucking baller, like you said. John Walker's on the brink of just an emotional, physical meltdown. I mean, I don't know if he's going to start crying or shooting the place up because he's just so unstable. And her just coming in, going, "Hey, look, I think you're fine. Do you want to hang out? Let's let's do that." Here's, here's not my number, but I'll call you. And again, she just completely commands the screen. She demands respect of everybody else in the room that she's in. And just a great overall scene. And, and uh, Nate, like you mentioned earlier, just her quick little one-liners to uh, John Walker's wife. Kind of, you felt the intensity, like it almost added intensity, even though it's kind of comic relief. It added intensity to the scene.
1: Yeah, they're like these little backhanded compliments, like "Oh, your beautiful wife here." Of course, that was tied for second best decision. Um, but yeah, this is like Great a role. I, she may have had some other other roles that I don't know about, but I mean, just the ones that come to mind. Obviously, Seinfeld, Veep, um, on Arrested Development. Like these are roles that completely
0: contrast what she did here, and she killed it. It was awesome. It's got to be fun for her to get to play this oh for sure person. Um, My favorite scene, Nate already mentioned it, so I I won't talk about it too much. But the Falcon and Bucky fixing up the boat, sort of, it wasn't really a montage, but it was like, you know, the music was playing. It was sort of a moment of levity and them being back together. There you have the type of relationship where it's like, no matter what the fuck happens, no matter what argument they have, like, they're going to, like Banner was saying, they're going to have each other's back at the end of the day. And this Mm -hmm. was that moment where he's like, don't flirt with my sister. But also, like, If you want to take her out, that's cool. was (laughs) was sort of like what he's saying.
2: Yeah. What I loved about that scene is they basically showed Bucky doing chores and just watching him, like, washing the dishes with his robotic metal arm. Just, like, Mm -hmm. the idea of him mowing the lawn with that arm just really makes me me laugh. Him just, like, being a a homeowner.
0: (laughs) I did like the part where he goes,
2: I don't use the
0: arm much. I'm right-handed. That I was yeah. about to mention that that was like I don't know if yeah. there was like a
1: inside joke with like the cast or something on that, but that was just so offhanded, but it like really made me laugh out loud. When I'm yeah, like, oh, I don't think about my other arm. I'm right yes. handed.
0: Sam like, like oh, my... your your bionic arm over there. Yeah, the, made of vibranium <laughs> from like the most advanced civilization on Earth. Well, I'm yeah. right handed, Sam. Don't be a dumbass. <laughs> God, <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. All right, last part are theories and questions. There wasn't much coming from this, so the stuff I have is low hanging fruit and happens in the comics. Um, so I'll start off with a theory that, again, I'm not sitting here acting like I'm, oh, I figured this shit out because it's pretty obvious. I just think it needs to be pointed out. Uh, Torres, in the comics, does become a version of the Falcon. Sam says, You can keep my wings, the ones that Walker breaks. I think we can all see where that's headed, right? Potentially at some point. Torres is the next Falcon. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you think we'll see it in the show? Or do you think that they're just going to leave that there to simmer for a while? That's a
0: good question. Considering we only have one episode left, I would I probably feel like, say no. but
2: Yeah, I feel like that that's something that we're going to look back in four or five years and go, oh shit, they set up this movie in that show.
0: Yeah. One other thing I want to point out. Um, this is just me obsessively doing some internet research afterwards, Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays uh, Madame Hydra, or Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Again, not the most reliable source in the world, but according to Wikipedia, this is the second time she has played this character. The other time was in 2020's Black Widow, which, as we know, has been now pushed to July. Mm. So, could this perhaps have actually been Marvel's intention of the second time we see Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Madame Hydra. Ooh, sounds like Marvel yeah. has some big plans for her.
2: Which yeah. makes me excited.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You don't bring in Julia to be dreyfus And you, first off, you probably don't even pitch her the role unless you have like a multiple movie slash show arc. Yeah. Like obviously she's not just going to show up for this one two-minute scene, you know. That's, uh, that's some good stuff there. So I just thought that was cool. So look for, uh, in July madame hydra de Fontaine appearing again in the black widow movie could be post-credit could be like a brief role but i think she'll be in it nate what do you got um so this will probably contradict
1: a little bit of what you said but um we're here to make weird guesses and, and crazy theories so um in the box that was kind of the the last thing um besides the ending credit scene um oh. same opening up, up the box to see what the wakandans made for him um it could be something geared towards him going into the role of, of the new captain america but i think it's some vibranium wings uh mainly because i just want to see him put those on and fucking fight with them because it'd be badass that would be uh, cool. because you've Very already seen cool. him do some cool shit in this series with his wings and everything and his jetpack um if he got some vibranium i mean He's going to be basically up on there with the level of super soldiers at that point.
0: What if he gets like the mesh, like the chainmail vibranium suit that Black Panther has with? Him? Oof. uh oh, he'd be unstoppable. Yeah, he's now Black we're...
2: Panther, but can fly
0: because he's gotten really good with the jetpack and the wings. Like I'm mean, yep. in Endgame. Remember, he like I think it's Corvus Glaive or one of the members of the Black Order. He fucking stabs with both of his wings.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yep. just thought of something. So, and we talked about this off pod. Uh, Nate, you obviously think that it's vibranium wings. Me and Jeff were under the impression that it was um, like a new cap suit. Yeah. Uh, what if it's a replacement for Red Wing? Ooh.
1: I'm glad you thought that. And. I'm not trying to be like, Oh no, I thought of that first. I, that actually did pass through my mind when I first saw it open up. I totally forgot about that. That would be so cool for his red wing since he got broken in this yeah. series. Yeah. Well, and, and you know maybe,
2: what? maybe like a red, white and blue red wing. So like Oof. he still has him, but, or he could be cap, but he's got his little buddy with him.
0: And two I things with like that. Number one, the, when I'm thinking of like the Wakanda, like jet technology that they use in all the movies, kind of is reminiscent of the way red wing flies mm-hmm. and levitates. And if you're Bucky, you're asking for a favor, almost like a secret Santa gift for Falcon. What better <laughs> than replacing his Red Wing, who got snapped? That's, <laughs> That's an
1: expensive, uh, dirty Santa g- uh, uh, limit. Like, usually it's like 20 bucks or t-
0: for well, 30 Well, The great thing about gifts is you can tell someone, I care about you this many dollars worth. This many dollars worth. This many <laughs> dollars. Who yes, is that? An you, iPod? What's Michael that? Michael Scott.
2: <laughs> um. Uh-huh.
1: The one other thing I had – I don't even know if it's a theory. It's just something I'm thinking about and trying to piece together and just wanted an open discussion here. So Sharon obviously is on the phone with uh, Batroc, and then he gets with Carly at the end, um, and she's she's kind of orchestrating behind the scenes, ultimately looking to get Sam kind of killed, I think, is what she got him in here. Is she so, that
0: just Sam for the events of Civil War? I'm a little confused.
1: So, so – uh, it's kind of shaping up that she is the power broker. I thought she was just kind of a pawn, but I don't yeah. know. She's kind of making these moves up top in her ivory tower that is kind of <laughs> seeming like she is higher than I initially anticipated. But here's that's one the, of the thing: things. if
2: she wanted him dead, why didn't she already kill him?
1: Because uh, that would that would be showing know.
0: her hand. I feel like. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know her motive, that makes but sense. I'm very, very interested in her character. Like, I'm actually way more interested in her character than I am anything with Carly or the Flag Smashers,
1: to be honest. But yeah, now that they're all kind of getting connected in with the interactions in this
2: episode. I think, Nate, you said it last episode, uh, The kind of the motto of this entire show is, it's just means to an end, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like this Flag Smashers were just a means to get us to the end of this series. They don't actually really mean (laughs) anything, like... They Could were literally be. just a vessel that gets Sam and Bucky together and kind of that low level uh low level villain to get us to the power broker Madame Hydra, so on and so forth. We have to have that you know entry level job position
1: yeah, that would kind of make sense and go along with the mantra, and they just needed someone to yeah kind of drive that narrative along and I mean they've done it now they're piecing it together so. But again,
0: if what I heard about the bioweapon arc was true, like Marvel had to take that whole thing out or not, didn't have to, but obviously it was kind of toned up. Nah, pretty sure they had to. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Then their role obviously changed a lot in the series, but like you said, Vayner, they are, they're helpful in terms of the narrative, but like I just it's not that I'm bored when they're on the screen but there are other character arcs that I'm much more interested in seeing Mm -hmm. play out. I had a question that I just have to ask you guys. I've asked this at the beginning of the show. It's sort of a a two-parter number one Bucky and Sam say multiple times in this Steve's gone Steve's gone is he dead number one and two will we find that answer out by the end of this show Brian what do you think first
2: I think I don't think he's dead but I don't think that we'll find a definitive answer either by the end of the show I think they're just gonna keep saying he's gone but I don't think we'll actually know because this is supposed to be six months after Endgame, right? Yeah, Six months after the funeral scene uh, at... Is it? Wait, no. It's like five years after that. It's
1: six months after WandaVision.
2: Right, which, which is, is Wandavision days. relatively?
0: Yeah, WandaVision's like right after Vision. It's like
2: nine days after the events of Endgame. You're thinking of when the snap happened. Five years went by from the snap to everybody came back.
0: Now we're six months... We're talking about from when old Steve gave Falcon the shield. How long is it from that?
2: I would say that that's about six months, right? That
0: sounds right to me. Maybe less, actually. Because the government would have come for the shield almost the second they knew he had it, right?
2: You You would think.
0: Yeah. So I guess, Banner, here's my other question. And Nate, you can jump in on this too. Do Sam and Bucky actually know... The fate of Steve or is he doing something Nate why don't you mention first is he doing something where like they're not actually aware of what's happened to him so when they say he's gone they're either sort of taking a shot in the dark or they might may mean something aside from being dead
1: um I think they know where he's at and uh, I can't remember exactly what I said but I think a couple episodes I'd mentioned maybe a, a reappearance of old Steve which I, I don't think that's going to happen um but I could very possibly see a mentioning at the end of this series. is kind of a tease saying like, Oh, we got to go meet somebody, see somebody. And that's kind of the cliffhanger um, is that they are going to go find or meet Steve. I think they know roughly where
0: he's at or what he's doing at this point. Dude, I'm going to get crazy and say he's showing up might be non-speaking part. I'd love it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't be mad about that at all.
0: I have one more theory, but before I get to that any you guys have anything else,
2: no, Uh, no, my biggest question mark is Sharon Carter. Now she, I think she is a huge linchpin that we don't know about yet yes. in this whole series.
0: I totally agree, and even if she's not the power broker, uh, there's obviously more than meets the eye to her character. Um, my last theory involves Baron Zemo. So him uh, being taken to the raft by the Wakandans, which I'm a little surprised by. I thought they were kind of had a bloodlust for him, similar to what happened um, with. Uh, Fuck, Banner, help me out. Age of Andy character. Yeah, Ulysses Claw. I thought they wanted his head in their trophy room. But they're taking him to the raft. And I know that I keep throwing this guy in my theories, and none of them have come to fruition yet, but I think General Ross is still at the raft, and he is going to be putting together his version of the Thunderbolts, which in the comics does include Zemo and himself as the Red Hulk. And I think this also ties into Black Widow, knowing that William Hurt plays Ross in Black Widow. Uh, I think, like I said before, all these years of playing by the book to try and get his super soldier team hasn't worked out, so maybe now Ross has turned to the help of Madame Hydra, and he's assembling the Thunderbolts, which is essentially like a more anti-hero version of the Masters of Evil. It's like an anti-Avengers, but they're not explicitly evil. They just kind of don't fucking play by the rules, if that makes sense. That's my prediction.
2: I like that prediction. There it is. I think – well, no, I just have a question. Do you think he was originally going to go to Wakanda, uh, but they switched it up to go to the raft after Chadwick Bosman's untimely passing?
0: Wow. Ooh,
1: that's an interesting thing to think about. <sighs> I know, man. And I hate,
2: I hate to bring it up, and I hate to be that guy, but I just – I haven't heard anything really on what they're planning on doing with that situation. It, rightfully so. I mean, we're not we're not ready for it yet. But Dude, if if Chadwick were still with us,
0: I bet he would have been in this show. Like they probably would have had Black Panther hunting down the guy who actually killed his dad. You know,
2: right? If, they point. wouldn't have sent. They wouldn't have sent the the Dora Dormel. Milaje. Yeah. yeah, he would have come. So, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's tough, man. And I'm sure Marvel. Just because of the sensitivity of it and what he meant, you know, culturally and obviously to the MCU as a much more less important uh, metric. I mean, they're trying to kind of delay having to make those decisions as much as they can. Yeah. Yeah. But it sucks because Wakanda's so awesome. His character's so awesome. But yeah, there's that real life element that's like, it's not going to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. All right. Before we let the people go, any last thoughts? We got one episode left on this show. uh, And then I hate to look ahead, but. I'm actually really fucking excited for Loki in a few weeks too. Oh yeah. Hey, what do you think? Um,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm loving the thing they're doing with, with these and kind of uh, playing into other series and, and really tying things in like the end of WandaVision. Obviously we're getting the Dr. Strange feels and all that kind of stuff. So we know kind of where that's going um, with her research in the book now. So excited to see where the end of this one goes and, what potential tie-ins are down the road so my mind can start going crazy after the finale next week
0: yeah i feel like this show um doesn't have as much to tie up in the finale as i felt like one division did in terms of story arcs so if they want to like swing for the fences with a few like teases for future projects they have more runway to do that if that makes sense like WandaVision had, I feel like, so many threads that we were like, Well, how's this gonna end? Who's this person? <laughs> yeah. This is really like, okay, what's happening with uh, the GRC meeting and the flag smashers? And then like, whatever the fuck you guys want to do going forward, you have time to do it. Yeah. Everything's pretty, yeah. pretty tied together.
2: They Wandavision, they they threw too many storylines out there and it eventually they just had to cut some. Whereas this, I almost feel like they didn't throw enough out there. And so they're like, hey, Last episode, let's uh, let's get crazy. Can we see some jack up some
0: threes? Right, we're up twenty. Fuck it. Gilbert Arenas heat checks. Banner, what do you think for the finale? I know you kind of touched on how uh, they put themselves in a good spot. Is there anything you'd be disappointed if we didn't see?
2: No, honestly, I think this is all setting up to be just fine, um, and we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a really cool. I think kind of three-teamed battle here with Sam and Bucky and the good guys, the Flag Smashers, and then obviously John Walker Yeah, all kind of fighting each other.
0: We talk ceilings and floors, like potential to be good versus potential to be bad with things all the time. The WandaVision finale, very high ceiling, could have been great, but also very low floor if they didn't come through. I feel like the Falcon and Winter Soldier season one finale, very high floor. Like, yes. I don't see many yeah. ways I'm disappointed with how this ends. I
2: don't, yeah, I don't see how they can fuck this up.
0: Almost, I don't want to say this because
1: it has kind of a bad connotation with it sometimes, but they've almost played it safe with this a little bit. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it because I know the finale is not going to disappoint me.
2: And they had to okay. play it safe after not knowing the reception of WandaVision with them coming out back to back. Like, yeah,
0: have, for sure. Yeah. Agreed. All right. For the American hero, Nate Thurmond, and the mad scientist, Brian Banner, I'm the mayor, Jeff Horn, and We are. The Bro Force Squad podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. One more episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we hope you'll check out our review for that one. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify if you type in Bro Force Squad as three separate words. Find us on Letterboxd if you type in those same three words. We're on Twitter, at Bro Force Squad, and everything we post is on our website at com. Till next time, I got Banner and Secret Santa, and he needs to open this metal briefcase to see what I got. It's just going to be full of blank business cards and dildos, but mainly the (laughs) mainly the business cards. Yeah,
2: blank dildos?
0: dildos. I don't know what that means, but sure. I'm just writing on them.